The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's probably Entrepreneur, yeah. manager. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Nightlife, imperioso, is that how they say it? <laughs> all of that. All of that. Connector, of uh, facilitator, extraordinaire, um, good human. Good human, good father, you know what I'm saying? Like so, but but yeah, just talk to us about early days, man. Atlanta, everything. Yeah, um, man, the journey started. Uh, I'm originally from Atlanta, from not East Atlanta, but from the East Side, which is Decatur, Georgia. I grew up between Decatur and Stone Mountain, and um, yeah, man, I, I went to college in Nashville for a year, Lipscomb University. And uh, ended up transferring to Tennessee State, but never went because I dropped out and joined the Navy. Uh, back then, I was trying to figure out really just a lot about myself. Um, I grew up in a, in a middle class area. The area has changed a little bit now. So like when cats hear where I'm from, they're like, oh, you from over there? And I'm like, mm. yeah, but I don't think it's like it was. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all done turned it out, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I originally wanted to be a sports agent. Jerry Maguire, like, Absolutely changed my life. Mm. Okay. I never, I, I got a lot of my inspiration growing up from films. Rudy, like all the Rocky series is like my, my will to, to push through and determination came from like all the classic films that we watched. So I watched a lot of those films all the time. Then I watched, you know, The Goodfellas, The Godfathers and all that. Yeah. Like, that's where I learned my family values, I say. Okay. Um, but wanting to be a sports agent, went to school. My, my brother slash best friend, we grew up together, but he was like the star athlete from where we were. And, you know, I used to go with him on his AAU trips and all that stuff. And when we when he was coming up, we were playing against like Jonas and Jarvis Hayes. They ended up playing for like the Wizards. Okay. And, um, Josh Smith was a couple years after us. Dwight came from the South Side. That was, we were like four or five years older than them, but that was a lot, it was a lot of talent coming okay. to Atlanta. Okay. Especially in basketball. But during, when I got out of college, or when I dropped out and I joined the Navy, and I joined the Navy, it was, I was never trying to be a military guy, but I was like doing a lot of stuff that I was like, I don't want to go down that path. Like mm. just trying to figure it out, trying to get money, trying to hustle, trying to just do whatever we can just to. 
Like it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Uh Like I'm really not that guy, but I learned the business of a lot of different things as we all tend to find our entrepreneurial spirits. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And while I was in the Navy, man, I read Kevin Lyle's book, Making It Happen, and then the movie Brown Sugar came out. I never really realized there were a lot of different jobs in music. I just knew Russell, Puff, I heard Kevin Lyle's name before, Lior, and then I knew artists. I had no idea what everything else was. And then I saw Brown Sugar and I was like, what's an A&R? And then I started looking at all of these little positions and like finding music books. And then I realized I was like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to do this. I want to be, you know, an executive. I want to okay. do this. So I got out the Navy, moved back to Atlanta early 04, like January 2004. And this is when Atlanta was like, you know, Luda was at his height, T.I. was at his height. BME. T.I. was going at that BME was like everywhere, like little, little John Esau boys. Um, and BMF was all over the streets. Like, each of them had billboards, BMF Entertainment, the world is ours. Like, so just trying to figure out how to get into the business is funny because a lot of people don't know this, but the first thing that I did, I went to an accountant and got a company started. My, my nickname used to be Knowledge because people used to be like, yo, how do you know like the most random facts about everything? <laughs> like, I'll just tell you where lights come from. Or did you know that birds in the summer, they, when they fly south, some of them stop over here? Like, the most random facts, and okay. like, I had a tattoo on my back, so I started Knowledge Records. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a CEO, got my company. Knowledge. And I, I found this little book called How to Become a CEO, and it started breaking down the C-suites and like everything that was in the book. And I was like, I'm not a damn CEO. I don't even have one employee. <laughs> like, what am I calling myself? You know. So I didn't want to be one of those guys that's like, you know can't get right records <laughs> on the CEO moving around the streets with business cards. You know okay. what I'm saying? So I just started figuring out like, all right, well, I need to start getting some experience. And I learned a lot of the stuff we were talking off camera, like about the military. One thing the military taught me was, it taught me process, it taught me chain of command, but it also taught me like, you gotta work to get to this process. So like when you're on sea duty, I was on a destroyer you have to get what's called a surface warfare qualification, which is like a little pin that goes above your medals and stuff. And so you have to learn like different jobs and and really understand these things and you get tested on it. Um, But you learn a little bit about a lot and I was in operations, so I learned a lot of operation stuff. But when I got all my qualifications, then I started wanting to learn more about how the ships run. So I went down to engineering, learned more about engineering, learned how to drive the ship. I started learning other people's jobs when I didn't have anything else to qualify for. And so I looked at that in music, and I thought back. I had a radio show when I was in college. Um, during high school, I went to summer school at Phillips Academy, which is in Andover, Massachusetts. And that's when I started trying to learn how to scratch. And my man Nick used to teach me how to DJ, and it, but that was the first time I cracked the mic. So when I got out the Navy, fast forward four or five years later, I'm like, all right, let me see if I can get a job in radio. Okay. Maybe I can take the radio knowledge and then get into a label system somewhere or some something, but mm. I had a little bit of experience working aboard. Um, and so, you know, I got an internship uh, at Q100, which is like KISS out here, the, the no. super pop station, because V103 was the hottest urban station, it still is, but you had to be in college to be an intern there. And then Hot 107.9, nobody ever called me back. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up, you know, they were like, yeah, come on up. So I went up there. And as an intern, you had to do three events a week. So I did eight. 
And then I started, you know, I was I had a job at T-Mobile during the day selling sidekicks and blackberries and, <laughs> and you know, all, doing that all those plans and stuff. Okay. And then I, um, there was a night show jock, uh, Jeff Miles, who I'm still very close to to this day. I asked him to let me sit in on his show. He said, sure. And, you know, two weeks later, I was like, hey, you want me to stack the CDs for you for the next hour? I would just say, oh, you need me to do this? Okay, I'll run and grab a coffee. I run a Baskin Robbins, and then um, he had like one intern on his show already, and then another guy that was like a, a um, his name was Thomas the Porn Star. It's pop radio, so you know you get yeah, 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 yeah. You know Thomas is out one day. Hey Kenny, come on up here and fill in, cause I throw in little little jabs and little one-liners, cause the difference people don't understand between urban and pop radio, they stay really segmented on their breaks. So if I got 20 seconds, there's no conversation. You got to get a line in and be good. Yeah. It's almost like a professional NBA team. If you're not the star player, you get in, you're going to get five shots a game. You got to make three out of five. Yeah. Right. So that's how I looked at it. I looked at the numbers and percentages. If I can make him laugh just a little bit or say something, a little little zinger, but still stay to who I am, I'll get a point. And, you know, long story short, I ended up being added on to the, to the radio show. I never got paid because I was just an intern. But what it did, what it did do, is it transitioned me to be able to host the Saturday Night Show. So now I get hired six months later, and I'm hosting the Saturday Night Mix Show before we go live at Vision. Because all the hot radio stations back then, there was this club Vision that was like the hottest club. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, the Hot 107 on it. It's like the hood night on the Thursday, the the upscale urban night on Friday, and then yeah. we used to call it the. What's white the guy? Night Alex. Saturday. Yeah, Alex. Alex. Mike's husband. <laughs> Rest in peace to my Mike. Just you know, we lost Mike last year. Um, Mike taught me the club business, so we ended up having a relationship from there. But all of that stuff steamed from me trying to meet people. So then I was like, how do I meet people, though? So I'm going to bring you back to when I first moved to Atlanta. When I moved back to Atlanta, I was like, well, if everybody's going to Vision, there's a security company that works there, but I got to meet these people. So I went and got a job at that security company. So I was working security. I was 80 pounds lighter, but I have a martial arts background. I have a weapons background. And I was able to get in. You know, a lot of these clubs, you see these big guys. But I know, you know, certain things that I can do. And so I was able to show the owner, Sam, that I can handle myself. And I said, nah, don't send me to, like, the hood stuff where they shooting every night in Decatur. Like, let me go to, like, Velvet Room, Vision. Mm -hmm. And so he ended up putting me on those. And that's how I met everybody. So I started meeting this person. I started meeting this person. And I worked that security job at night maybe for a month and a half because I got the radio internship. So I use that to tactfully find out how I can get in the face of all these other people. Um, and so now I'm on the radio. And then it's October 2004. I'm the black dude on the white station in Atlanta. That was how people knew me. But I was like, all right, now I'm getting in here. So the other reason I thought about radio is where do all the artists go? There was no streaming back then. I mean, iTunes was just, you know, just starting to get there. You got LimeWire, but every artist comes through the radio station. Got to go to the right promo run, whatever. And so, and even at, you know, at Q100, I like it because it, it taught me the pop world. Yeah. Like, I'm black. I'm from Decatur. Like, I know you can't tell me shit about the Dungeon family. You can't. I was, growing up, I was really big in the Southern rap and then West Coast rap. Uh -huh. So, like, if you look at the posters now, it's, like, all death row stuff. I used to lift some the Spice One, Aunt Banks, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then I had, you know, Kilo Ali. All the outcasts, all yeah. the, you know, Dungeon Family. Like, I got super hyped when Killer Mike dropped that. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm a teenager again, you know? <laughs> that was fire. And, 
And so I learned in pop, pop music and how pop records, how radio ads records, I was able to start sitting in on the music meetings and stuff like that just to learn. Uh, Jermaine Dupree comes in one day giving away bikes because him and Jeff Miles were cool. And my boy Scooter was working with Jermaine at the time, so that's how me and him met. And so then my man, shout out to Mel Testamark, because Mel was the first one to give me opportunity. And uh, Mel was running promo for So So Deaf. Scooter was running marketing for them. And when they came in, and my man Kadife, and when they came in the, the studio, first thing I was asking, I was like, yo, how can I get on, you know what I'm saying? How can I get an internship with y'all? I want to come down. Mel was like, just come to the office, you know what I'm saying? We'll chop it up. Went to the office, and now I'm interning in radio. I'm interning in social def. I'm working at T-Mobile during the day, and then I'm uh, and I'm only getting paid from T-Mobile, cause radio, you know, I was getting eight dollars or seven dollars an hour. I was working two hours a week, so you know, <laughs> taxes was down, yeah. taxes and everything else. You know, you, that was twenty dollars. Might as well like, keep that. You know, a couple <laughs> burgers. But um, that's how I started getting in. So when I started interning for So So Def, and the first record I ever worked was, uh, oh, I think they like me remix. Oh, so I shit. was doing that. When okay. we was going around, you know, I, we'd go get the CDs burned. I would go to what they call the bluff now. In Atlanta, we get the CDs burned. I got them in my trunk. And then I'm going from everywhere from the pool palace to when T.I. opened his club, Crucial. Then we hit Blue Flame, because Atlanta, all the records start in the strip clubs. Yeah. So that's how I knew all the strip club DJs, like X-rated and, um, we, we used to have these DJ coalitions in Atlanta, too. Uh, there was a Jeezy record uh, where he said, I know some super friends in the Legion of Doom. He was shouting out all the DJ crews mm. in that record on that first uh, that Thug Motivation 101. And so you had to go to all these crews. They had their little record pools, or I know this one at this strip club. It'd be the little rinky-dink stuff. I know he over here, but he also go to Magic City on Friday. Cersei. So let me, yeah, it's just all the events, <laughs> right? We just started working these records, and then I remember I was at the office one day, and I was uh, talking to Scooter, and he had just did this uh, Pontiac Solstice deal for Ludacris, to where it was Pontiac came out with the first uh, convertible car, and Chris was like the spokesperson of it. Scooter broke that deal, and he had did Jermaine had a vodka deal that he did this three vodka deal, and I just started we just started hanging out and kicking it. We was you know I remember Entourage had just started, so we'd be like smoking weed and. Because <laughs> he had dropped out of Emory, but he still lived over in that area by the campus. Okay. And so, you know, we just got cool. And then he had told me about this rapper because I was like, y'all really want to like work with artists. I'm starting to see like where I want what I want to do. And um, he was like, I can help him out with this uh, rapper Kato and this group uh, called Overdose that we had was working on. And I was like, man, whatever you need, like I'm down. So now I got another intern just piling it on <laughs> and you know i'm still going to t-mobile at eight o'clock in the morning opening the store driving 45 minutes outside of snellville um to get you know to get to work because that was keeping the little lights on at the roach infested apartment i had that was like a little studio with the two burners on there called the darlington and buckhead <laughs> i was in buckhead but i was like in the trash <laughs> bucket, you know? and um but it was just like i just wanted to make it so yeah. like whatever i could do to get there and then you know obviously as many people know, like, you know, Scooter ended up finding before we had overdose and then he had found this rapper on MySpace called Asher Rock. Yeah. And I remember yeah, he sent yeah. me this this freestyle Asher did over the uh, clips uh, Mr. Me Too beat. And like, it was like, damn, that shit's fire. So, you know, he ended up bringing Asher down and I was like, yo, I want to be his road manager. He was like, well, I can't decide that for him. You got to talk to him about it. And um, I remember me and Asher went to Cracker Barrel. Uh, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel got yeah. the best pancakes. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, we were just sitting there talking. I was like, yo, man, I want to be a road manager, bro. I believe in it. Like, I think, you know, we, that we can really do some stuff. And he was like, man, I already, you know, told my two, his two college roommates that they was going to go on the road with him and stuff. So I was like, all right, cool. I didn't say, like, man, F you, man. I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, how can I be, you know. Of assistance, of service. Some way, yeah, somehow. Yeah. And so me working in radio, I started getting the DigiWax uh, accounts. I started getting the other DJ record pools because I'm, I didn't mix, but I was an on-air personality, but I was still considered a DJ. Mm -hmm. So I was using that to try to connect with other DJs across the country. Mm. And I was working Kato's records and just sending them out through DigiWax and all these other DJs. So we did a um, mixtape with uh, Drama and Canon called uh, uh, The Greenhouse Effect. So when we did that mixtape, I just sent it out to all the DJs and other stuff. And then we started on this album and we had the I Love College record and I would send that out. So I was like trying to be useful some way, somehow. Never got a, a, a dime out of it, but it was just more of like being a part of something. I just wanted to be a part of something that was great. Um, and then obviously uh, there was this little kid from Canada that Scooter had found and he was like sending, he used to find like the, the weirdest stuff. Like he'll call you at like midnight and be like, yo, type in like monkey dunk contest. And it'd be like these chimpanzees like, Throwing up, she's like, oh, how the fuck do you find all this? <laughs> <laughs> like, you just sitting on there. Like, but he'll find the funniest stuff. And we're like, even to this day, we'd be sending memes and stuff, like little stuff back and forth um, that's just funny. And then, you know, that kid ended up being Justin Bieber. And I remember I was over at his crib one day, and um, like Justin's mom was on the phone. You know, they're very religious. And, you know, Scooter's Jewish. And so his mom was like, you know, they'd never been out of the country before out of Canada and people think like, oh, it's just Canada, but like, nah, like there's a lot of differences even between Canada and America if you've never been to America before. And uh, he was like, yeah, there are plenty of churches over here. Uh, uh, Kenny knows churches here, talk to him. And I was like, hello? Uh, yeah, no, nah, we got churches. Uh, <laughs> we got our churches. Chicken. Chicken. We got churches. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of churches. And, and, and you know, Justin was like, I didn't have a, a role when they first came down. Um, he had did the deal with Usher, and then they took him to L.A. and signed him to Def Jam. And I was still just the dude driving him around. But, like, I used to take Justin to, like, my radio station because at this time I had moved to 95.5 to be. I had more time on air. I was working the uh, weekends. I was still on weekends, but, like, I would host a movie premiere or, you Got know, it. and I started moving around more. Then I started hosting parties and stuff like that, too. Got it. So the name was getting bigger and things mm. like that. Um, but, like, I would take him and be like, hey, one day you'll sit right here. This is with the mic. This is where they play the music. This is how they interview. And you're like, he's 13, just turned 14, I believe. And then I'd take him around to like little friends that he was starting to make and, and stuff like that. And then Ryan came along because Ryan was working with Usher. Uh, Ryan's now his co-founder at Drew House. And like, so it was just the four of us and his mom. And I remember Scooter called me one day and was like, yo, I need to find a security guard for Justin. And I was like, oh, I know plenty of guys. Um, he was like, no, nah, I want you to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> now, granted, I got out the military. I gained like 80 pounds. Like when I tell you I had like three different internships and a job at, at uh, T-Mobile, what I didn't tell you is I was surviving off of McDonald's dollar menu, uh, Sonic, whatever I could get. And my homeboy worked at Subway, so we used to trade car chargers and all kind of stuff. And he would let us eat Subway for free all the time. So this is all I'm eating. You know, some days I might have $3.21. I know for breakfast, I'm gonna get that sausage biscuit. For lunch, I'm gonna get a chicken sandwich. For dinner, I'm gonna get a, uh, just like whatever the McDouble was. That was on the 99 cent yeah. thing, and I just add the tax, right? So 
That's how I survived not most sleeping. of the time. So, you know, <laughs> not sleeping. Damn sure when I'm working out. Got so it. The, the, but then at that time, I was like, nah, man, because, you know, respect to my man, Big Rob. Big Rob was with the Jonas Brothers at the time. And then you had the show Rob and Big that was huge on MTV. So all I saw was little white people and big fat black people around. I'm like, nah, I ain't finna be. I don't want to be typecast into that because I know I want to be over here. Like, yeah. it's a bigger thing. And he broke it down. He was like, nah, it's not that. He was like, you're one of the only people I can trust. So if I'm not in the room, I need somebody to know, like, that got my back, that no other stuff is going to be going on and stuff like that. And, you know, to help move the needle with whatever needs to be helped. And so I was like, I looked at it as an asterisk, like a Cordell Stewart. I can play multiple positions. Got it. So I said, all right, cool. Then, you know, we started taking off, be what became what it became. But I told him, I said, hey, I want to be able to transition when he turns 18 to, you know, a road manager or something else. Because Ryan at the time was a road manager, but then Ryan started realizing that, you know, his fashion and the styling stuff was really where he wanted to go more yeah. with it as well. And so we all just played our role, man. And, and you know, Bieber became what Bieber mm -hmm. became, but we didn't know it was going to be nothing crazy like that. Like, I go back to 2007, eight, you know, folks looking at us like, man, what y'all doing with this little white boy? That's how they were talking to us. Yeah. We going around Atlanta, like, man, where Kato at? That was the other <laughs> artist that I had, you know, that I had at the time. And, you know, now they like, man, I remember y'all was running around town with that little white boy, boy. We always knew he was going to be something. <laughs> you know, okay. I didn't go. <laughs> like, it seems like, it seems like the thing that, the, 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 the thread in all of this narrative is, you identified um, what was what was needed yeah. in every situation, and then you went about fulfilling those things, whatever the needs were. So uh, that is just being an amazing team player. Yeah. So that's 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 what the thread is. So like, with that with that being said, to the younger, you know entrepreneur who wants to step into management or wants to be an A&R or just whatever, right? Uh, what would you, what, how would you advise them on like the, that part of that skill set, learning how to develop, how, how to be a team player or a role player? Yeah. I mean, the first thing you've got to do that I think a lot of people don't do, and it even took me a long time to realize is like, understand what your weaknesses are. Mm and know what your strengths are. We all, everyone can tell you that there are 10 best traits about themselves. If I ask you to tell me your 10 worst traits, a lot of people are gonna stutter. You gotta identify what's, what you're good at, what you're bad at, because you have to know where you can fit in and where you can't fit in. So if someone has a job opening or an internship, and you're like, oh man, I'm great at this, but I'm not that good at this, well, why don't you try to learn how to be better at that? And change those weaknesses and strengths. Um, I see it like, it seems like today, like everybody wants to come in and be the top dog. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to come in with the biggest salaries and stuff. Because yeah, you know, it is hard to live, especially if you're living in like LA or New York, like yeah. it is something, but you have to figure out one, yes, you do have to figure out how to survive. You also have to figure out how to still get that job experience. Mm -hmm. the military used to call it OJT, on the job training. And it's like, a lot of people miss that. They don't get that training and want to have the training because they think they know it all or they learned it by looking at something on YouTube. That's cool, but nothing works better than you actually doing the job or working next to somebody that does the job. So, um, And I think it's about trying to find the balance in between survival and also being able to learn so you can do this on your own. 
Um, how, you know, you've been in the industry for a long time in all different aspects, and you're talking about different, just um, a different time then, like, how have you been able to balance and stay the course on your, you know, on your journey and your road from one, like, back in the days there was, like, traditional A&R, like, you're really developing artists, you're even talking about, like, Justin Bieber, that wasn't, like, it just didn't happen overnight. Uh, yeah. And some of those, you know, the other artists, and I've seen artists that you're working with now, there's a true artist development, but we're in a time now where artist development really doesn't seem like a thing. How do you balance like that and kind of the quick turn, you know, social TikTok, you know, phase that we're in right now in music yeah. without you know, being jaded or being like, yo, this industry has just changed so much. It's, it's twofold. It does make it difficult because financially it makes it more, I think it makes it more difficult now financially because everyone goes for the quick one or the, the labels are giving these quick deals. And so it's like, you can survive for a moment, but I try to find something that, I look at it as like a, almost like a legacy artist but it's like, I want to be a part of things that are going to be around in the next five to 10 years. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Everything might, and I, I, I'm such a sports guy, I kind of equate it to that. It's like, everyone might not have the 20-year the LeBron career, but like, Monte Ellis had a great run. You know what I'm saying? This person had a great run. So I look at it as like, every artist is different. And so it's like, I'm not trying to find the next Justin Bieber. I, and I just recently started my label from the Mount Music Group. And the reason I finally wanted to get into the label side of it is like, I do want to be able to develop artists, but I also want to be able to take those risks and put it out. Because I think a lot of times too, is what we get caught up in is the numbers. Mm -hmm. We're caught up in the social numbers. We're caught up in this, but like, people love music. If you look at some of these other records that are starting from like the Saweeties and all these other ones, they're sampling music that came from the 90s, early 2000s right yeah. now, yeah. that are becoming hits. Even the, um, the other girl, Callie, who got the Area Codes record from like, Luda and them, like, yeah. and she's claimed that she never heard the original, like, but I'm like, somebody heard it. But yeah. you see what I'm saying? It's still yeah. coming, and they still like it, so that's telling me that they're loving this. And I see, like, the success that a SZA has when she puts out music, and these, the Frank Oceans, and like, so people, there are music fans out here, mm -hmm. and I still believe in, like, let's put it out, see what happens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I never know if there's any cracks in the wall until I start pouring water and turning the lights on and, you know, start running the water to see what where the problems are. And then we can fix those as we go, as long as there's a calculated approach to when you come out the gate. Look at uh, your artist, Dixon. Mm -hmm. um, Oscar nomination. Yeah. Not too long ago, right? Oscar nominated, uh, Golden Globe nominated, three-time Grammy, yeah. <laughs> All cool. of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's in a genre, R&B, mm -hmm. that people feel is sort of at a, I don't know, crossroads or it's not growing or the numbers aren't there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the numbers are what they are. Why, why, are, you, why are you doubling down? So there's a couple of things. So the, the artists that I had in the past, I felt like I had to prove people in the business and there was a, a chip on my shoulder, I guess, that I had. And maybe it was a self-proclaimed thing that I did to myself because I am very competitive. But at the same time, I feel like you know, I left Scooter and Justin 10 years ago. But like, there's people that still think that I worked with Scooter and Justin and that I have. 
And there's been a chip on my shoulder of like, you come from something so big, so global, that that's your last piece of success that people look at you as. So I felt like I had to prove that I could build talent and build artists. So I did take you know one person that was a, a, an actor and trying to be in music, but now he has two gold records, one about to be platinum, that he never had before me. That you know, I took on another female who had you know minimal success from being on on socials and things, and her numbers started getting better. Started doing, did her first headlining tour, sold it out in minutes. Like, you know, was building. So, and then I started the label because now I'm like, all right, I'm showing you on this scale that it can be what it can be. I still believe in the music. Someone like Dixon. Now, the funny story is, so Dixon actually is the the younger cousin of Cato, the first artist that Scooter had that wow. we had. Wow. So I've known him since he was a little, since he was a teenager, because he used to come into our sessions and stuff. And we would keep in touch over the years, because um, he was on The Voice in 2016, and on Pharrell's team and all that stuff. So I would, I would keep up with what he was doing and stuff. And then during the pandemic, he had called me and was like, bro, like, come on, man, it's time. Like, we got to do this together and this and this. And then, you know, he had told me what he'd been doing. He had been writing all these different songs and producing. I knew he played a lot of different instruments. But he found himself as well, and he was like, take it to a whole other level. And so for him, it's like, we're in the R&B space because he's black, but he makes pop music. Like he wrote uh, Pure Honey, he wrote Virgo's Groove on Beyonce's Renaissance. Like that whole rap on Pure Honey was what he penned word for word. And people think he did the singing part. And then on Virgo's Groove, he actually did the ending part when people thought he did, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's so versatile with everything that he does. And so there's like a huge longevity play. And I'm fighting with him now. I'm not fighting with him, but I'm fighting for him as an artist because as a producer, writer, his deals are way bigger than as an artist. But one thing that I do love, and Shari Bryan and I talk about this a lot, like Shari's really big into like developing mm -hmm. and trying to develop, and she's trying to prove a point that like, yo, we can develop artists and they can get to a certain level. And I have that faith in that we can do that um, so I, I'm, I'm doubling down on it. Like this next project that we got, like I was, I've been listening to it every day. Him and Camper, right? Him and Camper been like locked in. They like the new Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, bro. Like on some real that. shit. And it's like Camper's, that's my, yeah. that's my dog. And it's, it's, it's some stuff that we've been, you know, really putting together. And I'm really excited about it. And it's like you got to roll it out right. And it's like, oh, it has to look like this. And I'm like, still music at the end of the day. People gonna move how the people move to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's building a a, a a niche fan base. We just did the Lamont Park Juneteenth um, performance. Him yesterday. and my artist Price both performed on stage yesterday, and um, that was cool. And it's the one thing I love about doing shows like that. I don't care about like if it was a thousand people singing word for word. I want to see the guy who never heard of him before. Be like, By the end, they start jamming and like, damn. And then they pulling out their phone, they uh -huh. shazamming. Or trying to find, I like to find. Trying to find the music, so yeah. We do those stages all the time because everybody's not gonna know you, and I love that. Yeah. I love looking at the crowd by the end. Yeah, and those um, are the ones that, when you create the fan that follows you for the rest of your career. Absolutely. Oh, discovery. Yeah. Discovery is still there. Yeah. Good music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that's it. Yeah. And you know what, with music too, we still deal with, man. Like, I got an incredible new guy. Shout out, shout out my man, Brady Turner. You know, Brady plays guitar, piano, writes really well, sings well. So, like, I mean, we had Brady, me and my man Cass and Sebastian Cole. 
we've been locked in and we like we cut 12 different records and like I just I don't even tell people I just press play and everyone's like yo who was that You're like right. <laughs> everywhere every room I go into now I don't even say who it is I don't show no pictures nothing I just press play and it's like you know, music's still in that funny space. If you're white, we're automatically, now I'm in these pop rooms left and right. And, and I, me and Tank used to talk about this a lot because, you know, as a black artist, if you're making pop music, they still want you to start on the urban, on the urban side. You still got to start it over here, got to move here. And that's the fight we fight. But like, if I can have, if I can be a bridge to even connect that even more, that's what I'm really looking forward to doing. I'm excited. Um, again, just following, you know, from from a distance, your career and the, the your ability to stay in the rooms and facilitate, but also always championing championing other people and younger artists and, and developing them, and that's that's something we have to just get back to, and not only just the music industry, but just in the human industry. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And um, you've been able to align yourself with amazing people, but you've you've done. You've done the work. You've put in the work, and, and um, that's a testament. You feel like this is your best season of life? Like you finally have figured it all out. It's like all culminating because, like we we shared before the cameras rolled. You know, you made a little announcement, personal online, and then you, your son and the label. And I feel like it, it, it looks. It feels like it's all coming yeah. together for for you. You know, family wise. I think I'm, I'm there and I'm growing there and getting there because I've been, you know, praying for like the right situation. I've always been dating intentional. You know, I was I got divorced like my son and me and my son's mom, my ex-wife, we got married when we were 27, 28. It didn't last. It was, you know, a, a very fast situation. So I've been divorced almost 11, 12 years. Um, and then, you know, the Justin stuff takes off. Now you like. Like, I'm still from the east side of Atlanta. I'm going to all these different places. And I'm like, why? You know, <laughs> why? I had my fun. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I had a yeah. lot of fun. I was like, you know, all these different countries and stuff, it was cool to be in. But now I'm at an age where I'm like, all right, I understand what life is in balance. So I love where the family life is. I'm working on the gratitude part of where I am career-wise because I've been in the fights. Like, I haven't been on the billboard list or... That this list and that list. Do I think that I've deservedly done the work to be on these lists? Absolutely. But I don't try to get caught in the popularity contest of it all. And I guess, you know, I got a message from a publicist friend of mine last year. It was like, I did a post of like, I put out all my accomplishments on the post. And I was like, I don't know. I used the Jay Z line of like, maybe they'll pay attention to me, you know, next year or something. And then somebody took offense to it. I'm like, man, I don't care. So I, I just try to let the work show for it, and then I stopped worrying about that because now, you know, I own a vodka called Sunny Vodka. Saw that. Um, we're, you know, in every BevMo in the state of California. We have a national distribution, but we're really, like, really honed in on California because it's California-made. Um, it's smoother, way better than Tito's. I got to get y'all a couple bottles. Can we here, please? You can put over there. That's easy. Mm -hmm. okay. And, um, you know, we're in, like, all the cool nice nightlife spots and a lot of the good restaurants and stuff. And then I have a restaurant in New York. The cabin, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's myself, Jay Will, Jay Williams. And um, Duke Jay Williams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Die hard Duke fan. Oh, so I'm a big Carolina guy. We've had this. Yeah, we We've have. gone back and forth. We'll have to have another episode no. where we just talk about sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, like my closest friends went to Duke, which is really funny. But um, but yeah, so me, Jay Will, and uh, my man Joey and Dre and uh, Damon, we 
it's like a brotherhood that we put this thing together. We had a vision about it like eight, nine years ago, and we've been open for five years now. Um, and then, you know, I'm still with H-Word Group, which is based out here in L.A. I'm an yeah. ambassador for them now. Um, but just like all the little stuff, because, you know, the athletes still call me, the, the, the actors, the actresses, like people want to go out, people need reservations or people need this or that, or, you know, they're trying to go to Delilah Vegas and set this up and stuff. I'm still that guy that yeah. people, I don't want to say they have to call, but like, Nine times out of ten, if you want to get it done or get in there, yeah, you got to call, right? Um, or somebody on our team that, that knows you, and we've opened it up to a lot of different people over the time, even, you know, in the city. Like, I've lived in L.A. longer as an adult than I have anywhere else in my life. Yeah. So I've, I've, this is my home, you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. take it as much with that, with that authority and stuff. I'm very involved politically within the city and state politics. Um, and so, you know... I don't want to go anywhere. I want a lot of stuff to change here, but so I don't get caught up in a lot of the billboards and the the vibe stuff anymore because I'm like, man, I'm going to just put the work out. We're going to put great music out. If everybody's touring and we're all doing House of Booze, then that's cool. I would love to do stadiums and arenas. Everyone doesn't always get to that point. If I have one that does that, that's incredible. Yep. But as long as I know that whoever I'm working with, they can provide for their family they're happy, they're content, then that means I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I realized that I was born to be a servant of, of sense, right? So I'm being able to serve you. So I use my knowledge and I use my expertise that I can be able to serve you better to help people get to that point. Because, you know, this is cool being in front of the camera and I'm sorry that I had to look this good when I came here. <laughs> but I, you don't never have to see me. As long as the work's being done, yeah. I'm going to be in my house. You know what I'm saying? I throw down in the kitchen. I be grilling out. You know, everybody welcome. We can have a real function at the crib, but I, I be content with that. You know, because my kids are good and my family. Love it. Love it. Two Service. most important days. Service yeah. and that's, love. That's that's the uh, that's the that's the title. We just got the title of the episode. <laughs> love when that happens. Love when that happens. Listen, man. Please, um, please, 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 please come back. Yeah. Please, please let us pull up on you. Maybe we do something at your crib, even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some barbecue function yeah. type thing. But um, Kenny, like, I, I, for me, you know, as, as an executive, watching you and watch the, watch the way you've moved around L.A. has been, um, it's actually been, like, you, you've, you, you inspire a lot of people. Don't, don't think otherwise. You actually inspire a lot of us. And though we don't, you know, because I, I think a lot of us didn't have access to you, like who are from out here, like people that knew you from Atlanta and other, yeah, yeah. but like didn't have access to you. And now I think you, you're you giving people um, access and we got to give you your flowers for the way you've managed to navigate a lot of worlds that guys that look like us don't get to navigate. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that, that says a lot. So... You know, because we know, again, getting in the room is one thing, but staying in the room through some turbulence, too, is another thing. So, you know, your flowers, man. Thank you for thank you for having us. Yo, live, leaving, leaving, leaving <laughs> from the Dream Hotel. Chief, Malik, Kenny Hamilton. It's been a sweet life.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.